You know what I like about you, Dom? You're a genuine outlaw. But you're his family. The hell of a job, brother. When we get back to the base, beer's on me. He's about to go up against the only thing they can't handle. You. Did you ever think you'd betray your family the way you did today? Dominic Toretto just turned on us. Well, well, well. Did you look at that? I don't know why he's doing this, but that wasn't Dom. She's the very definition of high-tech terrorism. And now, she's working with your guy. I think I found my team. This should be interesting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Devendra Hardware. Jeff Kanata. And joining us today, he's one of the new writers over at SlashFilm.com. We've been introducing a bunch of new voices recently. Ben Pearson, welcome to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Ben, we're really grateful you are here to join us for our review of Fate of the Furious. Uh, That's because Ben now is family. That's right. That's right. He's <laughs> part of the Slash Film family. Most uh, important thing is family, Dave. That is correct. And uh, this is one of those rare opportunities where all of us saw the movie before it came out. So we're here to review it for you one week in advance. That means there's not going to be a regular Slash Filmcast episode next week. Instead, we're going to review Fate of the Furious. we got some After Dark for you. Uh, so stay tuned. Fun episode coming up. Uh, before we get to that, though, find more episodes of the show at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Now, before we talk about The Fate of the Furious, I think it's worth reflecting on all that has come before uh, this movie. And so, no spoilers for Fate of the Furious, uh, but we are going to spoil everything through Furious 7. So if you don't know... Like, what's going on with Furious 7? Do we have the time for that? Do we have time to spoil everything? (laughs) Every single thing. Ben Pearson wrote this piece at SlashFilm.com called The Eight Most Ridiculous Moments in Fast and Furious History. Uh, So, Ben, take us through the, the inspiration for this article. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, eight, obviously, this is the eighth movie. Just figured I'd try to narrow it down to uh, to less than ten, which, as I'm sure you guys know, uh, is a pretty difficult thing to do in a franchise full of absolutely insane moments. Um, yeah, I tried to uh, pick uh, – we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording. I tried to pick uh, – Moments that were the most ridiculous, not necessarily the best or um, the most uh, uh, outrageous or anything, just the most purely ridiculous <laughs> moments, the ones that struck me as being, um, you know, completely uh, insane for one reason or another. So, yeah, I mean, do you want me to go through a couple of the entries on the list and well, you guys can... Yeah, uh, we, don't, we don't need to go through all the entries. I will say that, uh, you know, I have some beef with this list because I feel like it, ex- <laughs> it excludes a bunch of... Uh, major ridiculous moments in in the franchise. So, for instance, uh, I, th- you, I, th- I think you leave out the whole airport car chase in Fast and Furious <laughs> Six, right? Yes, that's uh, which is like a thirty minute long chase sequence down a, the longest airplane runway in the world uh, yeah. that that concludes with uh, Dom driving a vehicle out of the airplane as it's exploding behind him. Uh, I thought that was pretty nuts. However, despite my beef, Ben, I do think that you have chosen the correct answer for number one, which is the highway catch in Fast and Furious 6. I think that is (laughs) the moment when the Fast and Furious franchise became what it kind of is today. A cartoon? Yes. More more cartoon than grounded in reality. I do think the the jump off the cliff in Fast 5 kind of 
You wouldn't have the the jump grab without that. Agreed. Agreed. The Fast yeah. Five's yeah. opening sequence where Paul Walker and Vin mm-hmm. Diesel jump off a cliff into water. Yep. Certainly Not the opening se- sequence, but certainly, early, yeah. uh, certainly sets the stage for yep. uh, the Fast and Furious 6 highway catch where uh, mm-hmm. Vin Diesel intercepts Michelle Rodriguez in but midair. I do remember life. seeing that uh, the Fast 6 scene in a theater and uh, i swear people just got up and started clapping <laughs> like it was and that was a press screening too so it was pretty uh, pretty energetic before we get to fate of the furious i do also want to mention uh, the slash film crew uh, ranked our uh, favorite fast and the furious movies in order of which ones we think are best uh, and jacob tweeted this out because he he uh, did the aggregation for this but uh, he said that the rankings were all over the place but one thing was true for every single ranking. Every yep. single slash film writer chose Fast Five as their favorite Fast and Furious movie. Right? Mm. Uh, and I think that rings true. I think Fast Five is the perfect Fast and Furious movie. Like, it is the perfect combination of amazing stunts, silliness, camaraderie, chemistry between the leads – uh, it's it's my favorite. What about you guys, uh, Jeff Kanata? What's your what's your opinion on Fast Five? Is that your favorite? Fast Five. Sure, sure. I, I <laughs> Jeff, without you, with, it sounds like you don't even want to be here right now. Jeff. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. They're fine. It's like saying, uh, "What is your favorite uh, Jolly Rancher?" You know, it's like they're all yeah, green apple, it, Jeff. Green yeah. apple, green apple. Well, but, pur- but but purple's also good, uh, and like you know, purple like, belongs in the trash, Jeff. It's what are you fi- it, about? I should have. Uh, let's. I should experience fewer of them total than I do <laughs> in my life. There really doesn't need to be that many different ones. They're all kind of the same experience, and they're hard to differentiate when they're actually in your mouth. And most importantly, most importantly, know. you really should throw away the wrapper. Do not litter. <laughs> Uh, right. Oh, that's actually. I think that's where the analogy breaks down. But, Honestly, yes. uh, I, I feel bad. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of this franchise, and and all of the movies sort of run together in my head. Um, I have seen. I don't think I ever saw Tokyo Drift, but I think I've seen all of the others. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I I I sat out that that session. It was you know. Everybody at Slash Film weighed in on their favorite Fast and the Furious, and I just I couldn't. I would it would have taken a lot of research for me to even know which one was which, <laughs> and uh, so I, I apologize in advance for my opinions in this episode because I I, I don't have a lot of uh, connection or enthusiasm for this yeah. franchise. Jeff, not part of the family. That's no. uh, that's yeah. we've confirmed right now. Yeah, Jeff is the dom of the. Uh... <laughs> Slash Filmcast crew today. He's uh, gone rogue. Yeah, he's gone rogue. I'm not talking about Dominatrix. Right <laughs> um, well, but that's also true. Yeah, I mean, that's also true sometimes. <laughs> ben, any thoughts as to why uh, – and I, this is important for today's conversation. Uh, but, like, any thoughts as to why Fast Five is, is the best Fast and Furious movie? Yeah, I mean, you guys mentioned it before. That cliff jump, I think, is actually the the hinging, the the point around which the entire franchise hinges, really. It shifts more from... Because um, Fast and Furious, the fourth film, I think, took itself a little bit too seriously. It was pretty low yeah. on our uh, collective list there. But I think um, right from Fast Five's opening credits, which is the bus crash, which is another moment that made my eight most ridiculous moments list. Um, the bus flips five times during <laughs> this jailbreak sequence and everyone yeah. manages to survive. And that's like before the credits yeah. even, uh, before the title even comes up on the screen. So it's like, okay, we are clearly dealing with an entirely different level here. And um, 
I think the movie just sort of, uh, yeah, it, it, it hits that level. And then by the time it gets to the, um, the chase scene at the end with the vault dragging around, I mean, the whole thing, the inclusion of the rock, I mean, it's just, it really is just where the entire franchise sort of falls into place and, and gets its second wind and becomes what it is today. So I think it's, yeah, definitely the best one. Agreed completely. Devendra, any other thoughts on Fast Five? Uh, no, pretty much that. Uh, yeah. The Rock kind of... It, it was interesting to see this uh, franchise just elevate itself from just being about stealing combination VHS and DVD players. <laughs> like, that's where we started, you know? And now Dom is like an international... All, all of them, they're internationally renowned criminals. So how far <laughs> we've come. But I think Fast Five was the moment where, like, yeah, shit got real. It's also the tightest yeah. movie and has the best set pieces. Yeah, and it kind of reimagined itself as a as a heist film, right? Reimagined it as a heist series where you know the the series then became a sequence of these massive set pieces where these people need to drive into a certain place and leave with some mm-hmm. kind of equipment or some kind of special thing. But it's not even a heist movie anymore, and now it's 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 more like uh, a James Bond film. Yeah, 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 sure, heist James Bond movie. You know, like these these people are internationally renowned uh, special agents, basically. But who They have to have cars wherever they go. They, yeah. yeah. Has to involve cars. Cars are their, <laughs> are their uh, secret weapon and also their kryptonite. So I'm also realizing that I totally botched that metaphor, guys. I, I should, <laughs> it should have gone with uh, colors of M&M, right? Right. Way better sure. than Jolly Rancher. Because mm-hmm. then it's like, well, what's the difference between the M&M? They're different on the outside, same on the inside. Just yeah. retroactively assume that that's what I said. I mean, you also <laughs> botched the uh, the analogy because the Fast and Furious movies are dramatically different from each other, as we've yeah, just been discussing. So, There's more differences in the Fast and Furious movies than there are in like the Marvel movies. You know, like, Oh, snap. Talking about things running together. together throwing down. Uh, Okay, so before we even dive into Fate of the Furious, guys, here's a question I want you to consider is what is it that makes a good Fast and Furious movie these days? You know, we we always talk about how we want to evaluate movies on their own terms and we want to say, hey, uh, this movie is a stupid chase movie. This movie is an action movie. This movie is a romantic comedy and we should evaluate it as an entry in that genre. Uh, So how should we evaluate? Fast and Furious movies. Like, what, what mm-hmm. makes a Fast and Furious movie a good entry in the Fast and Furious franchise? Uh, yeah. if, like, what, what are the criteria that you, you gotta guys are using? You gotta have the set pieces. Like, you gotta have that. You gotta have the family connections, the emotional bonds. Cause that's, I think, key to the series and which most action movies don't have. And, uh, yeah. And also, honestly, we gotta stay a little grounded. Fast Seven got way too cartoonish for me. I like that movie, but I don't love it. Uh, because at that point, we're just throwing cars through buildings, um, flying cars. I'm not a fan of. I, I agree. Furious 7 did strike me as a little bit too car- cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also agree with your criteria, Devendra. Uh, the interpersonal dynamics, like the relationship between all the crew, uh, having that feeling of family, that is uh, one of the important things about a Fast and Furious movie. And also really yeah. innovative, uh, exciting set pieces that still feel somewhat grounded in reality. Uh, so, Don't you think that they could go farther with the whole family thing? I, I feel like there is an opportunity 
that is kind of missed with these this serialized storytelling that there is no serialization of the storytelling that that, that uh, we get with the, we get these I, movies I, I, I'm you're just everything that's coming out of your mouth so far this blowing is, my mind right now complete what nonsense it's complete nonsense Jeff but continue I'm sorry <laughs> we will school you in this entire series Jeff don't worry fair enough uh, I didn't see anything that happened in this movie that progressed any of the story of any of the side family members okay. like. Ludacris is still ludicrousing, and uh, what's his name is still quacking wise and, mm-hmm. and uh, screaming real loud, and The Rock <laughs> is still rocking. And it's like, okay, but uh, I guess uh, none of their stories matter at all. <laughs> uh, I, I, I see what you're saying. You're yeah. saying like these other side characters should have plots to develop. I, I think that it, you are pointing to a weakness of this movie, but I don't think that all the previous films have had that happen. You know, I think that yeah. Uh, yeah. in particular with Han. And Giselle's character, yep. their presence in this movie is sorely missed, in my opinion. Not to mention uh, Paul Walker's character, Brian mm-hmm. O'Connor. Yeah, obviously not here because he's passed away. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I think in terms of th- – this is a, a movie series that I think is really interesting because it is an accidental movie universe. I think it right, was right. Uh, Scott Mendelson that coined this term uh, or this phrase that – it's an accidental movie universe because they made Fast and Furious 1 and then Vin Diesel was too good to come back for, for Too Fast and Furious. So well, he they... also saw the script and I, I think I agree with him <laughs> if that's what they started with. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> they introduced you know Tyrese Gibson's character and then neither of the leads wanted to really come back for main roles in Tokyo Drift. Uh, which almost went direct to DVD, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. That was a much lower budget uh, movie. Yeah. So then they just they had to introduce a whole new set of characters, mm-hmm. uh, and because they in, like they kept introducing new characters out of creative necessity, they ended up having this rich tapestry of characters to draw from for Fast and Furious and Fast Five. Uh, like you know, Fast Five was when like all the characters kind of came together in this massive mm-hmm. heist. Uh, and I think and, that's brilliant. Like the fact that they they retroactively turned it into a, a thing. I think that is – it's pretty yeah. cool. And it, it really did become the Avengers of car movies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like That's you're cool. saying, it's super serialized, Jeff, because this is the closest thing we've had to like a comic book series in action film franchises outside of like actual comic book sh- uh, films. And uh, Mike Ryan had a good interview too um, just about how Fast Five, Vin Diesel's D&D background really helped to shape that. Like, this is, you know, quietly one of the nerdiest things, because this is a series built purely on, like, nerddom and, like, bringing characters together in serialized storytelling. And not I, you to know, mention the chronology of it, you yep, know, with Tokyo yep. Drift being thrown in at a, a different spot in the timeline. So that adds, adds a, an extra mm-hmm. level of uh, nerdery to the whole thing, for sure. And I, I fully ad- admit that. I mean, that's one of the things I came away. I, every time I watch one of these movies, I, you know, I feel like I'm watching... I'm having the experience that someone that doesn't give a crap about Marvel movies has when they watch Marvel movies. It's like, oh, it's silly. It's, it's kind of goofy. I'm supposed to care about these things just a priori, right? I don't, there's no, I just am supposed to care because they have this back thing and I don't. You've seen all the movies? Come on. I get it. So I understand, yeah, I understand, uh, that it's, it's just not my wheelhouse and (laughs) to coin a phrase, uh, but, um, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate what they're what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let me let me ask you guys before we move to Fate of the Furious. Like Ben, what what is your? Do you agree with Davinci's uh, criteria and my criteria about what makes a good Fast and Furious movie, or is there anything else you'd add to that? 
Um, no, I think you guys nailed it. I think uh, as long as you have those two elements, um, that's really it. I feel like mm-hmm. not to really jump too far ahead into like our thoughts about the Fate uh, movie, but the idea of Brian and Mia being gone from this movie um, that might be part of where Jeff's uh, qualms comes from as mm-hmm. far as um, the side characters not feeling as uh, integral to the the whole thing. Because in the previous films, you would have Dom's storyline, but you would also have Brian and his relationship right, with Mia right. as like a separate, uh, a second post, you know, sort of holding the thing up. Um, but then that's sort of taken away in this movie. But mm-hmm. um but yeah, I think, you know, as long as you can sort of weave in those relationships and, and really keep that, uh, keep the humor alive, keep the, um, that sense of family together, uh, and then, yeah, have some, some practical action scenes that are, uh, you know, moments that, um, no other action movie would dare to attempt. Mm-hmm. And then I think you're good to go. I think that's the the formula right there. Yeah. A, a big thing too, that uh, we haven't mentioned yet. Um, I love the multiculturalism of the series. Like this series proved you can have a cast of people who may not necessarily be big names, uh, but you know, people will come to see an audience uh, of people of many, many different creeds and colors. So I always find that to be a good thing too in the show. Mm-hmm. Jeff Kanata, I've been giving you a lot of crap today, jokingly so, mm-hmm. but I am curious, is there something this series could do to make you give a crap about it? Uh, be less about cars, maybe? <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I, I'm saying that tongue in cheek. Um, I, I, it's just never been, I, I think that its level of uh, goofy and its level of sort of meathead is just not my aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, it's it's a it's a meathead. Um, um, it, 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 ethos, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. That yeah. that I just don't. I've never associated with in my life, and I just it's just <laughs> not a not a thing that I put any value in. So, I mean, it did the one thing that it could do to make me care about it, and that is putting. Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it, and that still didn't really work. So I don't know what else they could possibly do. It's interesting <laughs> you say the whole the whole meathead ethos, which by the way is the first time I've ever heard the term meathead ethos used ever. <laughs> uh, but that the whole meathead ethos is not uh, your thing. I don't think it's your thing either. But I, you know, Bloomberg did this pretty interesting data visualization uh, over uh, at Bloomberg.com. It's called the Stats of the Furious, and they essentially Gra- like they they have graphs of how the f- the franchise has changed over time. So, mm-hmm. for instance, like how much racing is there in each movie? Right. Fast and Furious one, six minutes and ten seconds of racing. Fast and Furious two, thirteen minutes and fifty eight seconds of racing. Fast and Furious three, fifteen minutes and ten seconds of racing. Furious seven, thirty three seconds. <laughs> uh, so it's it's really kind well, of. It's- gl- Gone Depends on how you define racing, I suppose. But. Sure, right. But like street racing, I think, is what yeah. they're talking about, right? Right. Not cars driving next to each other. Right. Um, uses of NOS in the first movie, nine times. <laughs> in the second movie, eight. In the seventh movie, one. Uh, talking about racing or cars, 13 minutes in Fast and Furious 1. Eight minutes in Fast and Furious 2. Three minutes in Fast and Furious 7. I guess my, the point I'm making is just that it, the, the series is changing over time. You know, it's not just about... Uh, guys in, you know, uh, sleeveless shirts, uh, flexing and talking about muscle cars. Well, I don't know. I, I think it's still about that. It's still about close up on butts. It's still about, uh, 
fetishization of cars. It's still there's still a scene in this movie where they walk in the room and all the best cars in the world are there and everybody gets a boner. Like that's that's just not my, my not my jam. I appreciate <laughs> that for some people it is, but um, you know, I've just never been into that. So, gotcha. All right, all right. Um, well. I I don't know what else this I don't know what else this movie series could do to to please you Jeff. That's what I said I just, they put it's, they put it's the okay. rock in it. If you yeah. can't put the rock in something and make me love it, I mean, listen, as we'll get to in our review, I I have a fine time in these movies. I don't hate them. I'm not, I, and I feel like we're focusing way too much on me right now. <laughs> but um, but it's just it's just not been my my thing. Like well, if you, I wasn't a Fast and Furious skeptic, right? So that's kind of what yeah. I'm what I'm, inter- I'm if I wasn't. In. Reviewing these movies, I would never go see them. I see. All right. Ouch. Yeah, that, that hurt more than I was <laughs> anticipating just now. Uh, all right. Well, let's dive into Fate of the Furious, guys. And uh, let's say that we'll – I think it's already obvious we're going to reveal stuff that's in the trailer for the movie. You know, the premise of the movie is going to be revealed. Uh, we won't talk about the ending until a spoiler section. Uh, but let's dive right in. So, Ben, uh, what did you think overall of the Fate of the Furious? We've, we've talked about – you know what criteria we think would make a good Fast and Furious movie? Do you think this movie lived up to those criteria? So I think um, this one is a little bit more in the middle of the pack for me. I think F. Gary Gray is uh, a pretty seamless fit as a director into this franchise because you know it started off with two um, with Rob Cohen doing the first one and then John Singleton did the second and then Justin Lin took over for three, four, five, and six. And then uh, James Wan sort of stepped in uh, from the horror genre and took over and, and made a big jump into action and really like stepped it up with Furious 7. And then he was a one and done. He was just out. So I was wondering if F. Gary Gray could. I've always considered him more of like a journeyman director, you know, one of these kind of guns for hire kind of guys. Uh, and I was wondering if he could adapt to the the series style. And I thought he did a really good job um, mm-hmm. capturing the uh just the look of these movies um i really i mean if you put them next to each other and uh and you know removed the directors somehow wiped my brain so i didn't know who directed which one i think i'd have trouble telling them apart um and he's that good at sort of capturing the aesthetic of the look of everything um Story-wise, I had some complaints. We'll get to that a little bit later, i'm sure. Um but i i thought the action was really solid. Um and uh man yeah i don't know what uh dave what did you think yeah i overall liked it i think you're right middle of the pack feels right to me you know uh i liked it more than furious 7 which as we've discussed was a little too cartoonish it's right up there with uh 6 for me yeah better yeah. you know better than 4 and uh 1 and 2 certainly mm-hmm. uh just in terms of enjoy enjoyment i think there is one car chase sequence or whatever one car set piece in the middle of this movie that shows you something that i don't think you've ever really seen before in an action movie Mm -hmm. and not only are you seeing stuff in in ways that you haven't seen before but it actually has like ideas you know this this chase sequence actually has ideas about our relationship with cars and technology and uh where those uh elements in our society might go and uh, and so that itself was worth the price of admission alone. Uh, See, I, I thought the I thought the very first car chase in the very beginning of the movie, pre-title, uh, you know, the sort of James Bond first moment, uh, I found that to be the best, most fun, coolest ideas sequence 
mm-hmm. in in the movie. Hmm. It's very I, good. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I it felt the uh, the first car chase sequence felt to me like kind of an homage to. Mm-hmm. Uh, previous Fast and Furious movies, like, it's like, like back to, to basics, yeah, to like, like mm-hmm. you know fa- the Fast and Furious basic. one. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, hey, this is w- where we came from, and then here's where we're going, aka international intrigue and espionage. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of like here's our past, and now our future is all these people are special agents. You know, yeah, it was almost <laughs> like throwing a bone to the people who still come to these movies right. for the same reason that they came, you know, in 2001. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I, and I think it's proof that the whole the whole series has had. Uh, the problem of forced escalation, like it, right. it has to one up itself every time to the point where it's like these car thieves are now stopping global annihilation. <laughs> you know? It's like yep. it's got to be. Yep. I don't yep. understand why. It, I think the first sequence proves like, oh, you you don't have to do that, guys. You don't have to go there. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be about the end of the world every time. It could be. You know, it could still be really fun and kinetic and exciting and have it be about car racing. Yeah, I I, I mean, I I thought the first sequence was well executed, uh, but I didn't think it was particularly innovative. You know, I didn't think, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen anything like that before. It's it's a good chase. Like, honestly, seeing a good, well-shot chase. Well-shot, fast and furious chasing. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I think where – and after seeing Vin Diesel in The Return of Xander Cage – I was afraid that uh, this character had, or this actor, I should say, had become a cartoon version of himself. Right. Uh, But I actually really liked his work in this movie. I thought he and Charlize Theron had great uh, chemistry and there was great tension between them in the scenes that they had. Uh, I I bought the character of Dominic Toretto again mm-hmm. in this movie, and uh, and so I thought he did a good job. But as I alluded to earlier, where this movie really falls flat for me is the dynamics between the crew. Right? It just the only one that has any memorable moments is Tyrese, and even that is like he's memorable because he's annoying. You know, it's not or kind of an audience mm-hmm. surrogate. It, it, like I I really miss. Um, the uh, Brian O'Connor. I really miss Han. I really miss Giselle. Like those characters, yeah. I really felt like helped make that crew what it was. Scott Eastwood um, didn't do it for you, Dave. Oh my God, no. God, no, yeah. I did not. So, uh, Devendra, your overall thoughts on uh, Fate of the Furious? Yeah, I think uh, Middle of the Pack sounds about right. Uh, it's a more rewarding film for me than uh, Fast Seven was. I just wasn't a fan of like. Um, the style that James Wan was going for, it felt like the physics of the world were just like falling apart. Like if you have cars flying between buildings um, or you're even being parachuted down, just didn't feel like um, it's weird. Like this movie feels more grounded. I kind of appreciate that uh, starting with the opening chase. But yeah, that there's a chase in the middle in New York that I think is pretty good, even though a lot of it's CG, it looks good. And like uh, conceptually, it's very interesting. And we haven't seen something like that before. Uh, big problems for me. Um, I think this movie is way too long. It's two hours and 60 minutes long. And at points it just drags. And you're right. Like we don't, um, there's not as much interesting stuff happening with the side characters. And, uh, Charlie Siren is pretty much wasted in this. Like she has some good hacking moments. I I imagine like, uh, Angelina Jolie's character from hackers growing up to become an international, you know, evil hacker or something like, uh, becoming this character. At some point she does say hack them all, which I really enjoyed. Um, this movie's technology it, yep. is about the same level of sophistication as the Angelina Jolie movie actors. Yes, yeah, that's it, how it, it does feel like. <laughs> it feels like there are segments of the script where the screenwriter just wrote "computer shit" here. Yeah, right. Just 
Just put in some screens, computer shit. Yeah. The screens are just empty when they're tapping on them. So it's like they're just like blindly tapping on screens <laughs> and something's yeah, happening. It's too it's yeah. too bad. They missed they missed an opportunity there to have more realistic hacking, but I guess I, I feel like for the series it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I just wish she got to do more. Like she didn't get really many awesome moments and especially after seeing um, you know, Charlie Starring in Atomic Blonde, it's like I want more her of her Why? ass kicking. Why yeah. do, why why I'm sorry to be this guy, but why does <laughs> Why, when we sit down to think of the ultimate villain for a bunch of badass car racer dudes, we come up with Hacker. Why yeah. is that? That doesn't I mean, need it, to be. Every yeah. fucking movie, every movie, every big <laughs> action movie. I understand the zeitgeist right now is be scared because everybody's watching you and you don't have any privacy, yada, yada, yada. But there has to be somebody that goes, you know, maybe our movie could be about something a little different than that. Maybe mm-hmm. our big action summer blockbuster set piece movie could not be hinged on somebody sitting in a room talking into a little microphone and tapping on a computer. I mean, it's not visually appealing, but I think given where the world is today, Jeff, like most of the world is run by people sitting behind the screen. You know, and I think the idea of like if that stuff goes rogue, like we'll all have connected cars at some point. And just the idea of like what could happen if somebody got a hold of all of that. Um, there's really nothing preventing that, you know, other than hopefully – these companies figuring out security. Also, um, I guess yeah. I feel like, uh, Jeff, it really sounds like you didn't enjoy this experience. Come on, no, Jeff. That's but, not true. That's uh, not true. <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess I just feel like the series has already done, they already have had various different kinds of villains. They have already had a muscle villain. You know, they've already had, like, Jason Statham was a villain in the last movie. They've already had, uh, like, secret Crime agent. lords, gangsters. Yeah, crime lords, like, gangsters. It's, there's been all different kinds of villains. So I, I feel yeah. like your complaint is not about the Fast and Furious franchise. It's more about, you know, blockbuster filmmaking in general these days. But it's it's about complaint. Like, we've seen so many hackers, and it, it, the idea is getting a little tired. I understand that for sure, Jeff. Um all that a couple more things, yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Devendra, yeah. Uh, just want to say, like, uh, so Jason Statham is back in this movie. I have qualms about how he's back and how they're using him and other things this movie does. So I think, like, there are some big logic gaps here that kind of we, we excuse to get certain characters back into the movie, even though if you think about, like, what actually happened with these characters, like, why would we be working with them? I don't know. Uh, so things like that uh, annoy me more, and it should be shorter. If this movie were tighter, if it was like you know ninety to hundred minutes, I think it'd be a lot stronger with most of those set pieces. I thought Jason Statham was delightful in this movie. I thought he was hilarious. Yeah, there's one sequence where I was so happy. Yeah, it was, he's, he's, he very, he's very funny, and he obviously has an amazing physicality that they use to the hilt in this movie. So yep. I, th- yep. I thought overall he's great. That right. hard-boiled reference is so good. Agreed. So good. Agreed. Yes. All right, Jeff Kanata, take it away. Well, we've already established that my opinion is invalid yep. uh, on this on this <laughs> yeah. movie, so, so I, I don't need to talk. Just wasting your long. breath now, you know. Yeah. So it's all you know. Tune I out, actually, listeners. I actually had a good time, uh, and I always do with these movies. They're fine. They're fun, silly, goofy, dumb movies, and uh, that's like I appreciate the big set pieces, and I love when they are clever. The thing that I appreciate about this series, uh, what it has become, is that everything, everything is expressed through car. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that just the idea of, it's like the Lego movie. Like we have to make everything filtered through Lego. Like what does the Lego version of that look like? <laughs> Somebody does that with car in these. That is, that is action is, cin- cinema, Jeff. Come on. Hold on. I want to hear what Jeff has to say no, about this. Go ahead. No, I don't think it's just cinema. I think it's, it's the idea that there are, 
characters express themselves through car. There is there is a dialogue sequence that only <laughs> happens because car. Like the the. the I mean, it's. I, I don't want to get into specifics because we can do that in spoilers. But there, there are characters understand the intention of a of a character not by talking to them, but by watching how they drive. Mm-hmm. They go, "Oh, he's he's doing that." It's like that because of how he drives. Um, car is shield. Car is uh, car. Everything is car. Car versus this. Car versus that. Everything is expressed through car, and I think that. Just the sort of mental exercise of going, <laughs> okay, what can we have against Carr and how can Carr be used in a way that we haven't done in seven movies already? Uh, and and the fact that they come up with these fun new takes on Carr, I think that is pretty clever and, and fun to see. And when they are yeah. more creative, the more creative they are with that stuff, the more joy I get out of those action set pieces. I don't buy for a second any of the characters <laughs> or any of the – uh, interactions. I just, I'm just not on board there. And we, as I said, my opinion is invalid. So I disregard <laughs> it completely. But, you know, these are, these are fine movies. They're, and I, and I agree with Devendra. This one was too long, but overall, I had a good time watching it. Everything car, by the way, is a great tagline for this series. Uh, everything <laughs> is car because that's what it is. Like for me, that is action filmmaking. Like dialogue, the series dies when people talk. <laughs> Unless it's Vin Diesel, you know, like you want just pure action. You want intention and motivation expressed through action. Uh, think of like Mad Max Fury Road, you know, and how each of those characters, you know, ex- uh, express uh, themselves through their vehicles and kind of what that meant. That's action filmmaking for me. So that's something I really appreciate about this series for sure. All right, fellas, shall we move to spoilers for The Fate of the Furious? Yeah, uh, I, I do sure. want to mention one last thing before uh, spoilers. Uh, a bunch of people in my f- screening. Uh, firstly, I saw this in IMAX. Uh, so it was a great experience, but yep. uh, mm-hmm. there's no IMAX specific things that no. were shot for this movie or anything. It just looks good was, and feels yeah. good. It's just and a larger, no, louder There was no post credit sequence. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. A lot of us stayed <laughs> after to try and see if there was anything after to try and see if basically Han was coming back, right? Yeah. Uh, but nope, we don't. I mean, Han may be coming back, but. Uh, there was nothing after the credits, so if you stay, you'll likely be disappointed. All right, let's get to spoilers for Fate of the Furious starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're trying to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. I'll just say right up top at the spoiler section that uh, I thought the last chase sequence, like every Fast and Furious movie ends with the massive chase sequence, mm-hmm. ends with the massive action scene. I, I was very disappointed by this one. I thought it was uh, pretty roughly edited. You couldn't really tell. You, you know, like With a movie like Mad Max Fury Road, what's amazing about that movie is despite all the craziness that's going on, you really get a sense of the momentum of each action scene. Like, oh, now the good guys are winning. Now the bad guys are winning. Like, oh, here's where all these characters are in relationship to each other. Here's where they are in relationship to the space around them. I, I didn't get any of that. It was just a bunch of shit that happened. Yeah, uh, some of which on like a very similar looking surface too. So right. it's hard to tell exactly how it's, they're moving. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said let's do submarine versus car. <laughs> the fact that somebody thought that and then they yeah. did it. Although I kept wondering, like, why don't they just split up? Yep. Because what's submarine going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Start yeah. twirling. 
Um, so I was disappointed by it. Ben, what did you think? Did you enjoy that last sequence? So I, I agree with you that uh, especially with the location looking as samey as it does throughout that whole thing, it's tough to get a good sense of geography mm-hmm. on that. I did really appreciate the ending of that sequence where um, uh, Dom basically is out of his car and uh, – so I thought the ending worked as a really clever inversion of the ending of Guardians of the Galaxy because that movie, uh, spoiler alert, ends with Groot wrapping himself around the Guardians and saving them with the power of friendship, basically. And this movie ends with Dom, Vin Diesel, the voice of Groot, uh, being <laughs> encircled by his own friends and family yeah. and protected by this what explosion. If, what if happened. Groot was Carr? <laughs> no what if Groot w- was the one that was saved by Carr I think is the ah, question yes, right. exactly yeah. so I thought that I was kind Carr. of clever um, but yeah I, I agree that the you know the actual um, you know staging of the action and stuff left a little to be desired I think for me I I have been listening to the show for a while so I'm well aware of your uh, Dave and, and uh, Jeff's opinions about watching trailers beforehand <laughs> uh, I watched the trailer for this movie beforehand and I wish I didn't I wouldn't have done that because I feel like the best moments were spoiled in the trailer with the sub sort of exploding out and all those cars going flying and then um, the rock uh, redirecting the missile with his hand like if, <laughs> I feel like yeah, New- every major action beat is in the trailers for this film yeah it really yeah. is like the That's New York stuff I, I thought was a, a big enough set piece where you could have centered the entire trailer around that and those mm-hmm. moments and kept the the last act you know out of the trailers entirely and and given people like a holy shit moment. Um, but I think it, it was a little bit of a letdown knowing that we had seen the best parts already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What yeah. I was talking about earlier, uh, vaguely was the fact that when Dom reunites with the gang, they all just know that he's good again <laughs> by how he drove. Right. You just know. You just know, Jeff. But, you know, Jeff, you're saying this as though you don't like it, but you were complimenting this earlier, right? I, I can't help but admire that the <laughs> commitment level to, to just how car is everything. It's all mm-hmm. filtered through car. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I, every movie, every time I go see one of these movies, I come away, I'm like, they just figure out a way to make the car the important thing again. I, f- I feel like, Jeff, you're going through the mind blown gif right now. <laughs> or just like the one with all the calculations. Is that from, uh, it's always sunny? It's just like, well, well, it's all, it's all car. All plays back to car. All the way that's, down. that's what makes the series great. Car. All the way down, it's car. <laughs> it's cars all the way down. That's right. But how great was that how, that hard boiled moment that you mentioned earlier, Devendra? Stay them on the plane with so the baby. Good. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So Jeff, Jeff, um, opportunity. I think that was a massively missed opportunity. Oh man. All right. What? Well, so so Jeff, I, I actually you know wanted to ask you this question. My, I, I saw this movie with my significant other, uh, you know, and she wanted to know what you thought of that scene because you ha- you were the only one here as far as i know i don't know if ben has a kid <laughs> i do you're, not you're the only one who has a kid what did it now that you're a parent did it upset you to see a child so easily you know so flagrantly imperiled as he as he was in that scene no i well, i'll tell you what what i thought i mean we're in super in spoilers so yes. I, I will tell you when um charlise murders the mother of the child yes mm-hmm. i was like well she's fucked now she just fucked herself. <laughs> who's going to take care of that kid? You are. And that's not easy. 
That is not easy, Charlize. You have no idea what you just did to yourself. Um, that's what. That's why we didn't see Rhodes for most of the second half of the movie. Is he yeah. was taking care of the kid? He's... Oh God, it's a huge job. You're, you're gonna sit inside that that you know two way glass and just. Uh, Entertain that kid. It, it wouldn't be her. It would be the dude from uh, from Game of Thrones. Right. Yeah, yeah. He'd be taking care of the kids. Rose. I want that image of him just like nursing and singing that kid to bed. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really, really think that that sequence with Stacey, as cool as it was, and I dug it, but I kept thinking, man, how the, the way you shoot this is he puts the earphones on and then we all hear Alvin and the Chipmunks right. and, and choreograph yeah. the scene to the Alvin and the Chipmunks song. And all of it is from the POV of the kid, like the little kid watching Statham kick ass. And I don't understand why we didn't – they didn't do that. Why they go That would to the- be too cruel, Jeff. Have you heard that whole song? Are you going to subject an audience to two minutes of Alvin well, and the it's, it's a good point, Jeff. But A, yes. we have already seen that kind of stuff before. And B, yeah. uh, it allowed them to have the optimal camera angles for showing off what I thought was a really pretty good hand-to-hand yeah. fight sequence yeah. uh, with Jason I still Day. don't know why he did it. Like motivationally, it's like, okay <laughs> – so wait a minute, Dominic Toretto, uh, first of all, got your brother in jail and like burned half his face off, <laughs> beat you up and put you in jail. But because he talked to your mother, you're going to go do this thing. For- and I guess Dom helped him break the brother out of jail, too, or something happened. Why did so he now- have to fake his own death? Like, just go do it. Yeah, just go do it. <laughs> well, there's so we knew that was coming, too. But it's also like uh, Jason Statham killed Han, guys. Did everybody forget this? He killed Han. Like we can't, we we can't go back on this. And he killed a ton of people in that opening hospital sequence. Well, it's in, okay, uh, it's okay, Devinder, because he and The Rock had a moment and they laughed. So now yeah, they're now that, everyone's fine. That's pretty fine. much it. That so really I, bothered, like that bothered me. Between that and also having the villain of Fast Six back, um, it, despite all the people he killed, they killed so many people, guys. They're they're not your friends anymore. So right. it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen it, but I, I'm wondering if you guys, since you've seen it more recently, if you remember uh, the specific scene with. Um, Statham and The Rock having the moment because I recall it being where uh, The Rock sort of reads Statham's record yes. back yeah, to yeah. him and he essentially uh, implied or my memory yeah. is that he implied that Statham is actually a good guy but oh, yeah. he was, he was being um, yeah. you know coerced or whatever like through his own situation uh, he was forced to go up against Dom and his family and yeah. and he sort of um, you know it framed Statham's character as like misunderstood yeah misunderstood and like you, yeah. you got to pull for Deckard Shaw because he's doing this same thing that Dom is doing, which is just, you know, uh, protecting his yeah, family, yeah, yeah. essentially. That, that so, is a good point. But I do remember Fast 7. He killed a lot of people. A yeah. lot of people. But he also, not, so I'm, I mean, I the, the, the team kills a lot of people in these movies. <laughs> the Wrecking Ball m- murdered, yeah. I don't know, but 20 guys. Those are guys bad guys. Like the, the opening hospital mm-hmm. sequence in Fast 7, I think most of those people were dead. And those are just like innocents. They're just like hospital workers and cops. Yeah. Okay, yeah, <laughs> Those people enough. don't have families, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, we're going to find out next movie that one of the people in the wrecking ball uh, accident is, is like the brother of another secret agent that's going to be yes. taking them down. <laughs> yes. But, you know, Devendra, I think you're pointing to one of the big flaws of this movie, which is that, unfortunately, the emotional beats of these characters simply don't read as authentic. And, right. And if they were, I, I think there's a way to make these movies as ridiculous as they are. Uh, in such a way that the 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 character turns do ring true, 
but that the movie the movies aren't really concerned with that you know on a script level and that's a bummer that's a bummer because it could be a thing where oh oh wow you really understand why deckard behaved the way he did or you understand why everyone accepts him now like he saves people's lives or he you know there's some kind of turn or something and they don't they don't occupy themselves with any of that like do you guys even believe even believe Dom's motivation for turning on the the team. Like I I get that the his child is the most important thing, et cetera, et cetera. But he he just goes along with everything. It's, it felt very contrived to me that he just turns heel yeah. instead of yeah. instead of trying to come up with some sort of plan with the team. You know, like he he sees her on the road. She leaves. She says, "Don't talk to anybody. I'm watching you." But like. Right, like, why wouldn't he just let them in on it and say, yeah. "Well, may- maybe that was one of the conditions." Was Charlize Theron had said, "Hey, you're like, you can't tell your team about any of this, or else I'll kill your kid, or something." I think right. she did say that too, Ben. I think maybe he knows she can track everything. But he figured but then, out a way to talk yeah. to, uh, you know, what's yeah, his name's yeah. mom. Like, come on, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just the whole thing of mm-hmm. how far he was willing to go to be mm-hmm. bad guy in front of them. Yeah, just didn't, I didn't. It just felt like, oh, we need to make our Batman versus Superman or Civil War. It's it's it felt mm-hmm. very arbitrary. Well, this movie mm-hmm. is a lot more enjoyable than Batman versus Superman. I think we can all agree. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, actually, board, and I would yeah. argue more plausible, uh, more plausible than that movie in terms of the motivations. I'd also <laughs> say, Jeff, that if there's one thing you can say about Dominic Toretto's character in these movies, he has one value. It can be summed up in one word, and that word, I think we all know, is family. Hashtag right? family. Yeah. Hashtag family. Uh, yeah, so, but I guess there's tears of family. Like if if my actual blood is in it, then it's a it's it's more important yeah. than my like my you know my car family. Uh, that, well, that's 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 what I'm saying is that that's clearly yeah. now we know that that is the case for him. You mm-hmm. know, so it does it did not it did not strike me as unreasonable that this character who I would say twenty uh, percent of the words he speaks. Is the word family, right? <laughs> and one out of every five words he says. Yeah, it did not strike family. me as implausible that that character uh, would be willing to go to any length to protect his uh, his not wife, uh, girlfriend, right, right. one time girlfriend and son, right? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Charlie's Theron making out with him. That was kind of weird. And Michelle Rodriguez just has this like look that I think we all had when we see Charlie's Theron make out with Vin Diesel, which is like, ugh. (laughs) Um, why? And I think they could have gone farther with like, there, there didn't seem to be any moment where Michelle Rodriguez was forced to confront the team with her continued loyalty to Dom. Like, Mm-hmm. At the end, he's like, "Thanks for not giving up on me, family, family." But um, because every fifth word has to be. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, if if during the course of their pursuit, you know, if the Rock had been like, "No, Toretto is the guy I always thought he was going to be," and he's he turned mm-hmm. on us, and Michelle Rodriguez is like, "No, I," I mean, they have that like little exchange where he's like, yeah. "I'm gonna have to put him down." She's like, "Well, you might have to put both of us down." And he's like, "Okay, high fives, let's do this." Yes. You know, there's no actual dramatic tension there of. Michelle Rodriguez is the only one that's sticking it out for him. That it, mm-hmm. it completely fumbled that. I think. Yeah, so, they, so I think that a little bit with um, with Ramsey at one point. She she's saying, "What if he actually did turn?" And Michelle Rodriguez is basically like, "You know, he wouldn't. You wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for him." And that's the moment where I think they they sort of step in that direction. But I agree, they they should have gone. A little further with that. Yeah, and and Jeff, I think what you're identifying, uh, and actually what you and Devendra are both identifying, is like there there are opportunities for this franchise to actually improve, even 
as a fun, dumb summer blockbuster movie, uh, there are things it could do to make itself an even better version of itself. And, and you're kind of identifying some of those things. It's just like there's all these opportunities you had to make this movie even more emotionally impactful than it was uh, that, again, just didn't feel like they were concerned with. Now, to be fair, yeah. the turnaround on these movies is insane. Like uh, It's one writer. It's a, like Chris Morgan's been writing them all since uh, Tokyo Drift, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and and so yeah, and uh, Furious Seven came out uh, when it, two two years ago, almost exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, that is just that is just a very fast turnaround to create mm-hmm. a movie. Furious of this turnaround scope. too. Yes, very good <laughs> and uh, fast. It, it, that's just like super short time frame to create uh, a movie of this <laughs> ambition and scope. Uh, and so, you know, maybe some of the story elements or some of the, the character beats don't, you know, they get dropped or, or not as, as fully developed as they could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So any other thoughts? Oh, Scott Eastwood, guys. Come on. Yes. Let's, let's talk about Scott Eastwood and no, right. like no more of him in any movie. <laughs> wow. Yes. Guys, that is pretty harsh. All right, Ben, what's your beef with Scott Eastwood? No, I totally agree. I think, you know, especially when it seems as if he's a replacement for Brian O'Connor, for Paul Walker's Brian O'Connor, mm-hmm. at least Paul Walker, even though he may not have been the best actor, he had a personality and Scott Eastwood is just a blank slate and he sucked the life from every scene he was in. I, I liked that all of the other characters could sort of joke about him around him, but yeah. him like Scott Eastwood himself. Oh God, just get him out of there. And like, it's such a massive difference between having him standing right next to Kurt Russell, who is perfect at delivering nonsense exposition where in such a joyful way where you, uh, you know, a lot of times in movies like this, you can get bogged down by characters like that where their only job is to deliver exposition. But Kurt Russell, it's like every time he comes on screen, you're just happy because he's yeah. amazing. He and, knows where he is and he's having fun with it. Yeah. yeah. And Scott Eastwood is just, it could not be <laughs> further from that in my mind. I do. I do like that. His name is actually little nobody in the movie and in the yes. credits, because that's exactly what we think of him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ouch. it's, he just, it's a black hole of charisma. That's just the thing. Like, you just have to like, give us something. Give me, give me something to play with. And the other characters are having more fun making fun of him than, you know, he, him actually being on screen. So that's something. Um, All right. Well, yeah. uh, I, I also agree. I mean, I'm not quite as hateful of Scott Eastwood as you guys are, but I also think that, yeah, like he didn't really add that much to the team dynamic. And, you know, to their to their credit, to the movie's credit, they did spend a lot of time making fun of him. So, yeah. Uh, so there, there's that. Luke Evans, by the way. Um, how do you guys feel about him coming back? I mean, I love the mythology aspect of this whole thing. So, like, anything that they do, you know, bringing Elena in and, like, having Dom have, uh, having her have Dom's kid, I just Uh ate all of that up because I love anything that the series does that loops back around on itself and and incorporates things from older movies and all that stuff. And Helen Mirren is now, like, a significant figure in this universe, which is Yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah. And she was great. Like, that whole scene where she's, like, fake crying, I thought she just nailed it. Um, (laughs) And she, she also, like Kurt Russell, knows exactly what movie movie she's in and uh and you know acts accordingly um i think uh yeah the the biggest the biggest disappointment for me was charlie's throne for sure mm-hmm. it was like especially after furiosa put her in a freaking car what are you guys doing how is she just standing there on yeah. that plane for the entire movie and, and like all of the incessant cutaways to her with her one-liners where it's like yeah. You know, uh, still under warranty. Button push, <laughs> car crash. Ouch! But Imagine push, if she was in like a crash. self-driving car while she was hacking things. I feel like so yeah, many missed opportunities something. here. Come on. 
Well, I did think that she was a more memorable villain than other, you know, Fast and Furious villains, uh, right, certainly. Yeah. And uh, it, it is funny how at the end of the movie you'd expect some big fight between Jason Statham and the baddie or something, but she's just like, nope. Not even going to do any of that. Just I've seen this here. movie before. I am out of here right now. So so yeah, she bails and then you know obviously remains set up to return in future movies. I don't know about you guys, but I was really hoping that Statham grabbed the baby and went out of the plane <laughs> after her. I was like, please, please do that. And that would have been amazing. Yeah. It didn't happen, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Any other thoughts on Fate of the Furious? And where, where here here's my question: Where does the series go from here? Like it's a good question. What what yeah. could you? Does the series have anything new to say? I will yeah. say that the action scene with the cars in the city. I mean, Devinger, you're from New York, mm-hmm. right? Uh, my guess is they intercut. Like I don't know for sure. Oh no, that, they definitely didn't use New York for most of that. Well, yeah, yeah there was a scene they drive through Times Square that looked pretty mm-hmm. real, but then uh, I, the fact you know mm-hmm. all those cars driving, and then like there's this one street where they just seem to throw like thirty yeah. cars yeah, yeah, yeah. out of a building. Somebody, onto the street. somebody was watching Trackmania videos and got a, <laughs> got inspired. It, it is that scene was beautiful. Like it was pretty good. Like it was, it, it was it the felt one real. Yeah, even it though just, it was fake. Uh, it seemed like every other shot was CG, you know, like, so I, I would think, oh, that's CG, but then they would show something that looked like it was shot with a GoPro, yeah. and I'd be like, okay, that looked like they actually did that. Pretty good. Um, so it is beautiful, and it's it's terrifying, because we've never seen, like, so many cars kind of coordinated with this, like, hive mind uh, before. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love that sequence. So yeah, I, just, I, I really dig it. And uh, so I sat through the credits too, and it turns out like much of the movie was filmed in uh, Atlanta, uh, right? Georgia. Yeah, in Atlanta. So that my know, guess is they intercut. Yeah, filmed. that stuff with Atlanta. And I also liked the you know the ending of that scene when uh, they they trap Toretto between five cars mm-hmm. and Toretto like figures out a way to get yeah. out of that. And they're they're like counting the horsepower that right. either his car have or they're <laughs> holding against him. I thought that was just so adorably like geeky. I don't think it's, it's like physically- this is your car, nor yeah, yeah. I don't think it's physically possible. Uh, what <laughs> happened you know but i think it, it's at least like the never idea. stopped him before the yeah. concept is interesting at least <laughs> it's pretty good Nobody i'm is. glad he didn't drive away from that he had to like crash basically and then crawl away yeah in, yeah. in a in a movie in which someone outruns a heat-seeking missile and then <laughs> uses that missile to destroy the sub it came out of yeah. it is one With of car. the more one of the more realistic sequences so. And where the rock like physically moves uh, a missile too, <laughs> which is also a cutscene from the transporter. It all comes back around, guys. Yes. Like, yes. So it, we, your original question was, yes. "Where do they go next?" Uh, uh-huh. There's no way they don't pull a, a sitcom thing, and then it, next movie somehow his kid's twelve, right? There's uh-huh. no way they don't do that. His kid is going to be, you know, he's going to be teaching him how to drive in the next movie, and he'll he'll be magically, you know, fourteen, fifteen years old or whatever, and. And then it's going to be a Toretto and Son, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. Yeah. I mean, somebody asked Chris Morgan about the space idea, too, because it's what yeah, we joked be, about. Because yeah. we joked, you know, when Fury 7 came out, like, the only, like, you're throwing cars out of planes. The next thing has to be cars in space, right? And he, he did kind of joke, like, you know, maybe maybe they meet uh, Richard B. Riddick, you know, at some point. We have, like, a nice franchise crossover. Nice to think about. I, yeah, I really don't know where they're going to go from here. I just hope they uh, keep it grounded and no more flying cars. Yeah, cars uh, use, being used to destroy planes, cars yes. being used to destroy uh, submarines. You know, like what is the next thing up mm-hmm. that they could be used to destroy? Cruise ships. Yeah, cru- battleships, oh. you know, maybe. It's like, like right through a cruise ship. Like yeah. buildings, you know, <laughs> like I'm just trying to think like what else, where else could you go? 
Um, but yeah, th- does the movie have anything else? New? Car versus bullet train. <laughs> Actually, that would be awesome. Yeah, because I do kind of love the bullet train sequence from the Wolverine, so uh, that would be interesting. Uh, but yeah, it does feel to to me. You know, I I do wonder. Uh, how much more steam this series has left? Yeah. Or how much yeah. more gas it has left in its engine, as it were? Like it, it's... two more movies worth, I guess. Right? Because this is supposed to be the start of a new trilogy. That's true. Trilogy, That's yeah. true. That's Fast why I was nine. so surprised there was no post-credit sequence because I yeah. thought for sure they had a roadmap that they were going to indicate uh, with that, you know, mm-hmm. with the stinger. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that they're going to. There's going to be people in Hollywood whose job mm-hmm. it is just to dream up new things that cars can help blow up. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's awesome, right? Like it's visually dazzling. It's interesting to see car like, versus hot air balloon, right? Like there's all these things you could do, and right. and they're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, with these pyrotechnics showing us, uh, showing them to us. But uh, they're probably not going to spend that much time on the stuff that would make these better movies, which we've already talked about. Some of yeah. what that would be. I, I feel like another kind of writer would be great on this series, like just helping out Chris Morgan. Yeah, just helping out, not not replacing, just helping yeah. out. Just, just a Flesh, little bit fleshing of a out some of those character beats a little bit. Yeah, that'd be uh, nice. But uh, I'm calling it Fast Nine: The Search for Han. All right, all right. Set uh, in Japan. Yeah. So overall, it sounds like we all enjoyed ourselves. Like no one had a terrible time, uh, except maybe Jeff. No, no I did not have a terrible time. I'm just joking. I'm giving you a hard time. But yeah, we all we all enjoyed ourselves and found it a solid, but not superlative entry into the Fast and Furious franchise. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. That's going to be our review of The Fate of the Furious. Stay tuned for some After Dark action. Uh, find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us, slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song is from adamwarrock.com. Uh, our spoiler bumper is by filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be reviewing next week. In the meantime, uh, Ben Pearson, where can people find more of your work on the internet this week? Uh, you can find my writing at Slashfilm, Games Radar, and Geek Tyrant. And I co-host the Not Just New Movies podcast, which you can find at podtyrant.com. All right. Um, How about you, Jeff Kanata? Sounds like you said noxious new movies. <laughs> Those are bad movies. Um, <laughs> I'm at Jeff Kanata on Twitter, and uh, I have several other shows for you to check out. If you like video games, I have a long-form show called DLC. You can find that at 5x5.tv slash DLC. I also have a daily show every single day, just 10 minutes a day, on Anchor. You can find that at anchor.fm slash NLB for newest, latest, best. And uh, I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. How about you, Devendra? Oh, I am at Devendra on Twitter, and I write about tech at engadget.com. Find me at davechen.net. I've also relaunched the Tobolowski Files recently. Check that out at tobolowskifiles.com. Also have another podcast covering... Uh, popular culture at genpopshow.com. That's G-E-N-popshow.com. Next week, we're going to be reviewing the new Ben Wheatley film, Free Fire. Looking forward to talking about that with you guys. Uh, and there will be no podcast during the normal time that we have it. So it's actually going to be, I guess, in a couple weeks uh, because we're putting this one out early. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. Stay tuned for an After Dark. We'll see you later. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast After Dark. It's the time period after the podcast where we talk about a variety of random topics. 
that are of no importance to anyone, uh, and you know we don't expect anyone to even pay attention to these. Yeah, feel random, free to stop listening. Yeah, yeah. just <laughs> random ramblings of just complete garbage that happens to come out of our minds uh, that we, for some reason, have the desire to vocalize. Uh, I'm David Chen. I'm here with Jeff and Devendra, and also Ben Pearson's still here, uh, mm-hmm. despite that whole preamble. Let me start by saying we have some really important follow-up. You know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, the new Cinepolis Junior, which is a new movie theater that opened uh, that has a playground. It's a movie theater slash blight on humanity. Yes. Well, right? Jeff, I don't think it's quite a blight here. You see, Scott Mendelson, whose work I really enjoyed, friend of the show, he's been on the Slash Filmcast a few times, uh, he writes a column over at, For- uh, at Forbes.com. And he wrote uh, an article entitled, Yes, I Saw the Boss Baby in a Theater with a Playground. Uh, and he he actually went with his family to go see Boss Baby at this movie theater that has a, a playground and a jungle gym in and all this stuff. That's not um, fair. There's no way to make the experience of seeing Boss Baby worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but here, here we go. He says um, – no, he starts the article off. No, you don't actually get to play on the playground during the movie. That's the first thing you need to know about Cinepolis Jr., the new kind of movie theater that opened late last month. The auditoriums have a giant play structure. The seats are brightly color- colored and kid-friendly. But no, you can't actually get trapped in a tube or slide down a slide in the middle of the movie. Uh, that sounds like a lie then. The way, <laughs> the way it works is pretty simple. You get 20 minutes of playtime before the previews begin. Everyone gets in their seat and watches the trailers and the feature presentation. The lights are off. No one is playing, and theater staff pops in here and there to make sure kids aren't sneaking around in the dark. Then at around the halfway point, the film stops for a 15-minute intermission, during which the kids can play again or do whatever they would during an intermission. After the intermission, everyone gets back into their seats, and the rest of the movie unfolds. When the credits come up, the lights come on, and you get thrown out accordingly. It's actually pretty simple, end quote. So uh, that, you know, I don't know if I would go see a movie there uh, even with that, but that's a lot less bad than we were thinking earlier. It is actually. And, and it's, um, you know, the idea of the fact, you know, thinking that kids won't be able to sit still through an entire two hours, giving them this little moment to shoot off some steam in the middle is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's a whole lot of effort for very little gain. Right, man. right. Like – if you're taking your child to go see a movie already, which is an activity that is already fairly calibrated to uh, making them shut up and watch something for two hours, right, or right. ninety minutes, uh, that that like you're you maybe. I don't know. It, 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 does this actually appeal to you if you're a listener? Um, if, if it does. I kind of have less respect for it now. At least <laughs> at least if it was like, yeah, let's a kid go nuts during a movie. And I, and I, I hate that. <laughs> at least there's at least a it, vision for it. Right? <laughs> exactly. It sounds a lot more useful to you, though, Jeff, like when your kid is you know, old enough to be going around in the playground. Yeah, yeah, maybe. We'll at see. least it has a vi- you know, say what you will about the tenets of national socialism. <laughs> at least it's an ethos. <laughs> at least it's an ethos. <laughs> at least there was a vision of society, dystopian and dysfunctional and unpleasant as it was. Now you just like got the, nothing. You got nothing. Like the, like the meathead ethos, right, Dave? Uh, that's right. The meathead <laughs> ethos. Uh, uh, the meathead ethos is family and coronas. It's pretty simple. <laughs> so actually, Not this is necessarily this, in that order. This brings yeah. up a really uh, important point guys that Mm -hmm. i I really uh feel the need to to mention on this podcast someone over at reddit i actually blogged about this at davechen.net uh reddit user lundrin's front kick which is an awesome username 
he uh, <laughs> performed an analysis of every single uh, Fast and Furious movie. And he says, uh, he, he, here's his post, okay? Uh, it starts with this quote, you can have any brew you want as long as it's a Corona, end quote. <laughs> with, these, with these beautiful words, the Fast and Furious announced its glorious partnership with Corona. Corona saw its zenith in The Fast and the Furious, but it got a massive push in Furious 7 when Dom famously turned down delicious Belgian beer in favor of a bucket of Corona. Corona and the Fast world have become synonymous with each other and have built a beautiful world in which nobody gets drunk or gains weight due to excessive drinking. However, after rewatching all the films, I've come to realize Corona doesn't play that big of a role in the Fast world. In my mind, the entire team are always incorrectly chugging bottled beer while cruising around the earth engaging in shenanigans. I am 100% serious when I say I was surprised when I compiled the number of Corona sightings. And he then compiles the number of times that Corona is seen or consumed in every single movie, right? So Fast and the Furious, 12. Too Fast, Too Furious, zero. <laughs> Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, zero. Uh, Fast and Furious, five or six times. Fast five, zero times. Fast and Furious, six, ten bottles lying around. And Furious, seven, four bottles in a bucket. And what he found, guys, was that Fast and Furious films that feature Corona uh, have an average domestic box office accounting for inflation of $250 million and an average Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb combined average of 63.25%. But when the films don't feature Corona, the box office is $163 million and the critic rating is 57%. So there is a strong correlation between <laughs> featuring Corona in a Fast and Furious movie and making a ton more money and being slightly better early, uh, critically reviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like in I real life. That, yeah. It, <laughs> rest your case. There is an irrefutable correlation there. That's a, it sounds like it's going to be bad news for the fate of the Furious because I don't know if you guys noticed, but I don't think there's actually any Corona in yeah, the new movie. I think Bud, at the I think. end, yeah, it's yeah. Budweiser. Yeah, it's, it's a damn shame. Yeah, I, I have a feeling Fate of the Furious is going to completely blow up this uh, analysis because <laughs> yeah. my guess is it's going to make at least a billion dollars and all the averages will be thrown off. So as you're listening to this podcast, this is a unique moment in time when <laughs> there is a correlative relationship between corona consumption and the movie being better and making more was it, Correlation is not causation, Dave. That's right. That's right. We're learning that for real through these Fast and Furious sets. Yeah. So, uh, Okay. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? Uh, Devendra, you know, we got a bunch of questions about mm-hmm. – uh, I've been seeing a lot of buzz online about oh, yeah. this show Samurai Jack, which apparently is one of the most distinctive-looking animated television shows uh, mm-hmm. you know, on, on TV right now, right? Yeah. I mean it always has been. It was a good-looking show when it first came out around like uh, 2001, I believe. And uh, yeah, it just really showed off uh, Gendy Tartakovsky's style uh, between like uh, what Dexter's Laboratory – and Powerpuff Girls, this was more like Powerpuff Girls by way of, like, anime and by way of, like, uh, Eastern mythology and all sorts of stuff. I love the original show, and the new series is fantastic, yeah. Uh, any, uh, Ben or Jeff, any of you guys into Samurai Jack? No, I've never seen it. Oh, I remember oh, back in the day. Back in the day I was, and uh, uh-huh. this was kind of controversial, right, that, that they were bringing it back, but then they were not bringing it back, and then it was going to be have humor mm-hmm. but not have humor. And It's some, different. It's yeah. a little different, right? It, and it had four seasons before. And it ended kind of uh, in an open-ended way, so they didn't really conclude much. Um, and this new season basically starts 50 years in the future. Things are a little different. And Jack is not like... He's haunted in a way that's really interesting. Reminds me a lot of uh, Mad Max in Fury Road. So this is like really... This is a Mad Jack 
season. And uh, yeah, it's a little more mature too. There's a lot of blood going on here. Um, so it's, it's taking the series in new and interesting ways. And honestly, I just also really like seeing it actually in, um, in full widescreen. Cause uh, what I remember the original series is that it was still four by three back then, but yeah, it's, it's such a cinematic series. It looks amazing. The animation is fantastic. The action and the framing of it all just is amazing. Uh, yeah. Can you, uh, like, can you jump in like right now or do you need to catch up? Like what you could, you could. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a like a recap in terms of what happened, but yeah, you could jump in now, and I think uh, yeah, you'd immediately want to go back and catch up. So start now, see what's happening, and uh, yeah, check it out for sure. And um, that's on Cartoon you know, Network Adult Swim. Uh, it is. Sam- it Samurai is. Yeah. Jack is the name of the show. It should be on the on-demand stuff right now. It's not on Hulu yet. I checked. Um, and the other thing too is like I really enjoyed Gendy Tartakovsky's um, his Star Wars Clone Wars stuff. And that was the like cartoonish, the animated Clone Wars before they went CG, and that stuff was amazing. And there's a lot of that like style and action here too. Like he's just so good with scale, and uh, yeah, with animated action. So you guys should all check this out. Dave, I have two two topics for you. Yeah. The first is one that uh, you know we we talked a long time ago about uh, sound in our home theater environment. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, Devendra in particular was very adamant. About, about not ignoring quality of sound. And now that I am, uh, I am out of the apartment life and I'm, I'm into a house house and I can actually, uh, you know, not disturb neighbors with sub, subwoofers and things like that. Uh, I have invested in some new sound for my Ooh. house, guys. Uh, I got the brand new Sonos Playbase. All right, nice. And yeah. it just arrived the other day, and I uh, have to say, I mean, this is not, you know, there's no, this is not a mm-hmm. sponsorship or anything, but I do love it. I yeah. love it very, very much. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm, uh, you know, when I make some more money and have some more disposable income to spend, I'm going to add a couple of Play Ones mm-hmm. to add surround sound. It's really cool how it can be modular like that. You can, you know, the Sonos system is is modular. You can add or subtract components in different rooms as needed. But the Playbase itself is a huge upgrade. And I already was using a Samsung sound bar um, that I had been you know, had for a long time. But this thing sounds so much better. Oh, yeah. And, and it knows the difference between streaming music through it and streaming TV through it. It, it dynamically changes how it presents the sound. Uh, it knows if you're hearing mostly talking or if you're hearing mostly uh, you know, music or sound effects, it, it will modulate. You don't have those moments, um, that really annoy me where you go from, you know, cranking the volume up to hear what people are saying to like a big explosion and it blows out your eardrums because you had it all cranked up. It will modulate that dynamically on the fly. I'm just very pleased with it and I feel like it's a, a big upgrade for me. Yeah. That's a good, that's definitely a good start towards building a really nice system too. It's just, uh, like also yeah, stuff. Divindra, I mean, I, yeah. I I gave you. Uh, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not gonna go into my thoughts on the playbase, mm-hmm. uh, but I did. Uh, <laughs> I it's not a product that I can recommend. Um, Have you heard it yet, Dave? No, I haven't heard it. But it's just it's okay. the it is the uh, the value proposition. I just don't think is there. Well, that's how um, Sonos has always been. Like the, to be clear, right? Their stuff has always been a little too expensive. They've been sort of like the Apple of this whole uh, wireless audio game, but. And their software isn't very good either, but they've done good with their technology for wireless audio. So it sounds good. The Playbase um, sounds amazing, honestly. It sounds amazing, Dave. Yeah. And I, it was a premium buy. It was a, mm-hmm. I splurged a little bit on it. 
But I'm excited because of the upcoming uh, Amazon Echo integration and mm-hmm. uh, the fact that it's sort of an all-in-one solution. It fits it fits great in my with my components, and it yeah. it really sounds a hell of a lot better than my my soundbar did. Do you have your TV on it, Jeff? Because that's kind of the big uh, selling point for a lot of people. No, the Vendor my TV is too big to be. Oh honest. right, yeah, that's uh, true. It does. It fits between the it fits between the two uh, end stands that my mm-hmm. TV sits on. I, I think honestly, this is just a good solution. It's expensive. That's the big problem with the Playbase, and it doesn't support some higher end standards like the DTS stuff. But you know, it's that only matters if you have a full surround sound setup. Um, the big like the big thing is that it doesn't look like a speaker. It's just a thing you can hide away, and I think that's important to a lot of people. Um, if you look at the videos I've shot in my house uh, on Engadget, I have giant ass speakers. Like I love speakers. I kind of have a speaker fetish, and uh, they they look very big and imposing. But I I like it. My wife's okay with it, and my neighbors are like fine with it too because everyone's always playing loud music. So, you know, it, I'd rather have like a nice real speaker setup. But the Playbase I think speaks to the audience like you, Jeff. Like you just want something nice that you can hide away that'll give you a really big upgrade, even yeah. if it costs a bit more than you know other solutions. Ben, what uh, what kind of setup do you use at home? Do you have like a good audio <laughs> setup? Or? No, I'm in an apartment, and I'm just like I'm I'm so jealous listening to this conversation because <laughs> I just can't wait until I can get into an environment where I'm able to actually invest in that stuff and and have it sort of pay dividends for me. So it's so good. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I started, um, I have a halfway Atmos system, so I have the upwards firing speakers from the front. So in some things like Mad Max Fury Road, like you get some of the like enveloping sound and it's fantastic. It's the best thing. What, uh, what is your second topic, Jeffrey? Well, David, thank you for asking. It has come to my attention (laughs) that, uh, as, as summer approaches and the impending return, I'm really glad you brought this up because I was going to bring it up if you didn't bring Uh it up. uh uh The uh, impending return of the summer wager, which we will, we will definitely be doing again. And it's come to my attention that uh, I have not made good on my end of the bargain. <laughs> well, let's, 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 recap, the, let's recap a little bit of what happened, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, so every year we do this thing called the Summer Movie Wager, where we try and predict the top 10 movies of the summer in the correct order of what, what, uh, how much box office they make over the course of the summer. And for the last two years... The only two years in which I have been participating in the co- uh, the contest, I have won. This is a ten year old contest. Last year was the tenth anniversary. Dave has won the last two back to back. Yeah, and of course people an, were not, asking a well, not unprecedented feat. A certain <laughs> Jeff Kanata had done that before, but let's well, you know. But you know what, Dave, very impressive, still very impressive. Oh no, I know, I know, I know, it's impressive. Um, so, uh, you know, some people were asking, well, what is the wager? There's no wager because you guys aren't betting any money. Uh, and so we kind of made well, this. I have to say, it first started way back in 2007. Oh, it started true. with uh, the loser had to the losers had to wash the winner's car. Right. Uh, right. But we can't do that because we all live in different parts of the world. So we had to come up with a different idea. Yeah, which is which is like let's do like an incredibly modest idea, which is just not even washing anything, not buying anything. All you got to do is watch the one thing. That the winner tells everyone else to watch. So if, you know, the winner wins, he gets to tell everyone to watch a thing under three hours long. That's what, that's what we agree. And because on. Dave is a monster, um, he decided <laughs> that, that, that thing would be something that, say it was gods and, gods and, gods and kings, gods of Egypt. Gods, gods of, of Egypt. Egypt. Gods of Egypt. Okay. So I think the, the tacit understanding was that, <laughs> 
we had until the next wager began to make good on that. I think we all tacitly agreed that you have, you know, just like uh, <laughs> wedding gifts. You know, you have a year to give a wedding gift, right? Everybody knows that. It's I, I've never heard that, but okay, continue. Unwritten rule. Everyone knows it. <laughs> uh, so as as the as the wager for this year approaches, Davindra already made good. He already did his duty <laughs> and saw the film. Uh, but I am going to do that. And you have my word, Dave. Before our wager, I will do it. In fact, I was thinking of doing it this week, and I was yeah. thinking maybe of I don't know live stream live. Uh, you should definitely it. live tweet it. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. Live that's tweet. a movie where you'll constantly be asking yourself, "How? How was this happening?" Yeah. Be, uh, ben this Pearson, have you seen Gods of Egypt? I have not. No. Oh man, you have not lived <laughs> truly until you've seen that film. See, you know, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff reaches for such simple conclusions like ascribing malice of forethought to my recommendation of Gods of Egypt, but in fact, I think that movie is pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> it is. A batshit insane fever dream, uh, that could have only come, like I said, I think, like, I, I said this when we talked about it a while ago. When I watch a movie like Mad Max Fury Road, I'm like, not in a million years could I, David Chen, ever think of or make a movie like that. It, it needs to come from someone who is a brilliant, insane genius. Right. And, uh, and I feel that way about Gods of Egypt as well. I just think the, the final film just ended up not being quite. God, as yeah. Gods of Egypt is, the Mad Max Fury Road of movies. That's, That's a direct uh, quote from Dave. Uh, quote, right? Of well, ancient, like Egypt movies, I yeah. guess. Yeah. E- equally, equally impressive works of cinema. David <laughs> they Chen. were nominated for equally as many uh, Oscars <laughs> as each other. Well, Jeff, uh, I'm really glad to hear that you're going to be making good on your deal because otherwise, you know, this wager is meaningless. I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of my word. You might as well just call it a summer movie convo you know like it's <laughs> right. not a, there's no wager about it right um but uh you know so we're gonna people like we've gotten a bunch of questions asking you know what when are we gonna get the summer movie wager don't worry guys it's gonna happen we're gonna do it we're gonna uh, just start it settle yeah. down folks it's it's friggin' april <laughs> so i think all that being said you know this is completely non-binding but Wait, what, what do we think? <laughs> what do we think are going to be the biggest movie? What, what do we think is going to be the biggest movie this summer? Mm. Oh man, I don't even. I haven't even looked at a list. Let of me them throw. Either. Let me throw out a few names. Let me throw out a few uh-huh. names. Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, contender, contender. Uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. I, the, the Guy Ritchie movie. I don't think so. I don't know, but I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alien Covenant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. <laughs> Ooh, I don't think that one's going to do very well at all. Uh, but ba- Baywatch, uh, the movie version of it. Uh, Wonder Woman. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wonder Woman's not tracking well right now. Uh. Yeah, well, it's tracking at about it's tracking to open at about the same level as Logan, uh, which was considered a massive success, but Logan only cost like fifty million dollars and was rated R. So yeah. that's why it's kind of mm-hmm. considered not, you know, not, not doing very well. I could see Baywatch being huge, actually. That is a movie, like, every time that trailer pops up, the audience is eating all of it up. At yeah. It's a perfect, it's a perfect confluence of, of fun, not taking itself too seriously, and mm-hmm. great stars, and, like, you know, things people enjoy, like boobies. Transformers, uh, The Last Night. Mm-hmm. That, that might do it. Never bet yeah. against a Transformers movie. I know. This is true. 
I what about really, the mummy guys? Come on. Could be. The Tom Cruise mummy. I was really <laughs> excited, by the way, that, uh, you know, it was awesome. This is, this is an awesome mm-hmm. moment. Uh, well, firstly, I'll also say Spider-Man Homecoming is, is going to be pretty big as well, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an awesome moment. I went to go see a movie recently. I don't remember what it was, but a trailer for Edgar Wright's Baby Driver uh, came mm-hmm. on. And I tweeted out, uh, hey, every time I see a trailer for Baby Driver, I'm considering it an insult. Like an affront to myself, or uh, no, no. I said I consider it a taunt because I can't see that movie till August. And uh, so Edgar Wright favorited that tweet, and then literally the next day, <laughs> it was announced that they're moving Baby Driver up from August to June, which is a big nice. move. Big so we move. all we all owe you a, a debt of gratitude, Dave. And then so Edgar Wright tweeted at me. Happen? No joke. Edgar Wright tweeted at me after that. He said he responded to that tweet and he said, <laughs> "Fix that for you." <laughs> which i thought was well done was an amazing moment um yep. but uh yeah so i think uh june 22nd is a uh, baby driver coming out 28th 28th uh 20 mm-hmm. so that is a big move guys like mm-hmm. putting it into fourth of july weekend uh yeah. sony is betting big and it's going up against transformers so yeah i'm i'm honestly kind of worried because that is a much it's a small movie you know like much lower budget and I don't know if the stars are enough gonna, to get people to it. Yeah, uh, Cars I, Three is also going to be coming out around the same time, so that's going to get like the families and stuff, you know. Yeah, one Cars of them's going to have a ton of car crashes and explosions, and the other one is Baby Driver. <laughs> uh, that's pretty. Cars Three could be, uh, yeah, could be the biggest movie this summer. Yeah, yep. yeah, it could be. It could be. Peter, Peter's going to pull another Peter and just say <laughs> Cars. Pull a Peter. Yeah. It'll totally work. I mean, I would sort of love for War for the Planet of the Apes to do really well because that looks fantastic. Yep, it's agreed. So Looking far. forward to that movie as well. Um, Valerian. Yeah, I'm actually excited for that. Uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, this looks to me like this year's Jupiter Ascending. I think. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I think it is going to be a disaster. Is I think guess. I'm going to love it, and no one will see it. Like yeah. that's the feeling I'm getting from this movie. And then uh, Chris Nolan's new film Dunkirk is coming out this summer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of content. It's going to be yeah, a hard one. summer movie wager, guys. Good summer. Yeah. Going to be a difficult summer movie wager. Uh, any any movie you're super psyched for this summer, uh, Ben? Anything? Um, yeah, I would say Valerian. Uh, I'm probably going to be right there. It's going to be me and Devendra, the people, the only people who like <laughs> yeah. it, and then yeah. uh, nobody else even seeing it. And then, yeah, War for the Planet of the Apes looks awesome. Spider-Man Homecoming looks really good. Uh, I am not really excited about uh, Baywatch, personally, even though I love The Rock. Um, I just think that like nothing about that movie looks funny to me, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I vowed never to watch another Michael Bay-directed Transformers movie after I Age of Extension, so yep. I will not be seeing The yeah. Last Night. Us, too. I can't, I can't yeah, believe for but, all of know, us that, that was our breaking point. It's weird. Yep. Yeah, no more. Jeez. Yeah, um, so maybe the spinoffs that they're talking about, maybe I'll get back and, and, you know, out of curiosity, check one of those out a few years from now. But there's no way in hell I'm going to watch The Last Night. Yeah, fool, uh, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me four times. Yeah. Uh, shame <laughs> on no me. There's no way we're not reviewing that, right, Dave? We, we're reviewing that movie. No, I don't think so. We I, are. I have no plans mm-hmm. to review that movie. Uh-huh. You, you can right. review it, Jeff, just like record yeah. yourself like crying after the movie <laughs> oh it's gonna be awful it's gonna be a yeah. terrible I, I i i think i have like unless we hear that it's amazing i, I have like yeah life is too yeah it's our silent protest it's okay. silent, like, i've seen too many uh, if this was like the second one maybe but it's yeah. i've seen too many transformers movies jeff I'm they're just, so long like we yeah. are wasting our lives <laughs> yes. watching transformers movies for what reason yeah you know? gnashing metal <laughs> nothing else yeah. Hey man, you guys are preaching to the choir here. I also yeah. think we're all going to see it. 
I, I, I have no plans I just don't believe it. you guys. I, have no I don't believe you. I know you don't want to. I don't want to. I haven't wanted to see a Transformers movie since the first one came out, but I've seen all of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, It's not about want. <laughs> it's transcended it's that, Dave. Come it's on. Yeah. We'll see, I mean, we'll see if uh, if it sounds like something we have to see, but yeah, I, I nothing is exciting so. me about this. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to go. It is that. weird we're having two vaguely King Arthur-related uh, movies this summer. Yeah. One is giant robots and one is like weird ass CG monsters. I can't wait for that guy Ritchie one. Yeah, are we reviewing that in a few weeks, guys? Yeah, I'm. I'm I would like to review the King Arthur movie. It looks so good. It's just it's just his temporary stop on the way to Sherlock Holmes three, which is <laughs> we're all looking or forward the to. The man from Uncle. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Jeff, can I give you some crap about something which is my favorite activity? Uh, like, yeah, you just can, never asked permission before. Can we all can we all agree that the most recent season of Sherlock was a disaster? Like, it was not good. I haven't even oh. watched. It. Okay, well, there you You're go. Pretty better it, off, Jeff. It is very so, bad. It, it was very bad. Like, I I stand in my opinion quite vindicated at my statement that the Guy Ritchie Sherlock movies are more enjoyable. Uh, and on some levels better made than this new, I, I don't incredibly infuriating Sherlock BBC the, the series. The heights of the Sherlock series yeah. are like so good that nothing yeah. in the You can't compare the worst good. couple of episodes to the, you know, there's a, there's a whole yeah. range there. Sorry, right, sorry, Dave. Although, you know what? I have a, I have a newfound reappreciation for Guy Ritchie after Man from Uncle. I've seen that movie so many goddamn times. Yeah, I cannot is, wait for King from you know King Arthur and everything. It is a fun ride. It's a fun ride. Um, all right, guys. Well, we have we we'll have our uh, our, our summer movie wager uh, work cut out for us. Uh, the movie I'm inter- I'm interested in seeing is the uh, the Wall, the new Doug Liman movie, which looks like a very mm-hmm. small movie. Uh, but that like, it, I think he's doing like a very small follow-up to Edge of Tomorrow, but I'm really psyched for that. Anyone excited for Dark Tower? Any fans of, uh, Dark Tower? I am. Yeah. Not sure. I'm actually I'm, reading the books right now. I'm oh, wow. worried that we haven't seen much from the movie yet. That is, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Apparently they showed some at CinemaCon, right? But it yeah. looked like it was very unfinished, which is kind of concerning because the movie's out in like three months, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But I'm interested for sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Any uh, any other thoughts? I feel like I had one other topic, but I can't remember what it was. So <laughs> I think we're just gonna have to let things go. But uh, yeah, we good. Yeah, we're sure. good. All right. Uh, well, Ben, thanks a lot for joining us. Hope you had a good time. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, welcome to the Slash Film family. Hope you're enjoying yourself there as well. Definitely appreciate it. Family. All right. See you guys later. All right. Bye. Night, folks. <laughs>